Hi, good evening. It's 8 o'clock in Yerushalayim. And we're going to talk and learn together a little bit about the parasha of Pinchas. Now, Pinchas was a real person. He did something that was quite remarkable. We have to remember the background. The background was that uh, Bilam, Melech Moab, the king, he hired, ba- I'm sorry, Balak, the king. <laughs> Great way to start. Balak, the king, hired Bilam, the prophet, the non-Jewish prophet, to go and to curse B'nai Yisrael. He understood, he, the king, understood that drastic measures were necessary he needed in order to keep his kingdom under control. He was pretty confident that the Jews, that the people of Israel, led by Moshe Rabbeinu, would destroy his kingdom if he didn't try to deal with it. So he hired Bilam to curse the Jews. Now, Bilam was a prophet, a non-Jewish prophet, and that itself is problematic, and we wonder about that. But that was last week's parasha. And he went and he tried to curse B'nai Yisrael, but he was not successful. Every time he spoke words, they came out as a blessing for B'nai Yisrael. Balak got angry. Bilam was incompetent. He was unable. He was a real prophet, but he could not prophesy against the will of God. Okay. Uh, there, there are a variety of questions that connect us to that parasha and what was going on. But the important thing now is that at the end, there is a story about Bilam trying to uh, make up his inif- incapacity and give advice to Balak that would surely accomplish the purpose that he was trying to accomplish. What was that? He said, look, take the young girls, the Midianite girls, and have them seduce the uh, the Israelite men, and through this seduction to bring them close to idolatry, and that will make them uh, guilty, that will make them guilty of a tragic transgression. And probably they will be punished as a result by God. They will be punished. So Balak said, sure, great idea. Comes from a brilliant mind. Let's do it. And they did it. And then there was, uh, and somehow it would seem that the plan was working. That the girls were being girls and the men were being seduced. And they were coming close to doing idolatrous, real idolatry, whatever that might be. And um, and it got so bad. It got so bad that even the uh, leaders, so to speak, the Nisi'im, the princes of different tribes, were involved, right? Zimri ben Salu, Cosby, they were it, it involved. So here is uh, here is our primary personality, Pinchas. 
Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. He was a direct descendant, an immediate descendant of Aaron HaKohen. And Pinchas says to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, hey, we've got to do something. And Moshe Rabbeinu said to Pinchas, okay, you go and do it. Why the conversation turned out to be a conversation in which Moshe Rabbeinu sort of gave in or gave up his authority to Pinchas is a worthy question and what that meant. But before we can deal with that question, we have to think to ourselves, what exactly was it that Pinchas agreed to do? So the psukim on the sheet, right, Perikav, Hey, Pasuk Zion, and on. Vayar Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. Pinchas, direct descendant of Aaron HaKohen. Vayakum mitocha eida. He kind of disconnected himself from the crowd of people who were standing around and watching the devastation of the moral quality of Am Yisrael. He got up, he separated himself from everybody else. And he took a spear. He took a spear in his hand. Kuba, Rashi says, is a tent. He went after the Yisraeli, the, the, the Jew, in his tent. And he had this spear and he speared both of them at Ish Yisrael Vetaisha El Kovata Magifa. So he Rashi says he he uh, uh, speared them in the sexual organs. If you look at the Rashi you go to Rashi El Kubala Oel El Kubata there's the certain the words that describe the innards of an animal sacrifice. Kevan He he speared them in the in the place of their sexuality. Him and her. His name was Zimri, and her name. The name's not mentioned here, but it's Cosby. And Rashi says, They all saw, all the people standing around saw, What does Rashi mean? That they, he didn't kill them for no reason at all. In, in other words, the problem, the problem was, uh, what happened to due process? Isn't it true that Yitro already explained to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu in the book of Dvarim repeats the whole story that a nation needs judicial uh, uh, support. If you don't have a judiciary, I mean, you're not going to have a nation. Everybody's just going to go and do whatever they want. And the Gemara says, the Gemara says, uh, somebody go, you go to somebody else and you say, oh, you stole my money. You took my car. 
you tell you you're living in my house. I mean, there's no way. I mean, so you need a system, and the system is based on edim and hatra'a witnesses. Hatra'a uh, uh, the witnesses involved, and and they warn the people against what they're doing. Edut edim hatra'a. So, what was exactly Pinchas's standard? What, what what happened? So Rashi says, "Look, I know he did something that seems unreasonable. You remember that when they discovered somebody was mekoshesh etzim, doing something prohibited on Shabbat, so they didn't kill him, even though the punishment for doing things that are prohibited on Shabbat might be might be correct. We don't know exactly what he was doing." But they locked him up until Moshe Rabbeinu could consult with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, right? And then, only then was he punished. After the Kodesh Baruch Hu told them what the punishment is for that particular Aveira. So here we have a story about people doing a terrible thing. Zimri, Cosby, terrible people. People who would undermine, perhaps undermine the very fabric of Am Yisrael. And along comes Pinchas, who represents that fabric, who is the repository of the moral position, of the idea that you don't always know you're not going to kill people indiscriminately. You're not going to punish people if you don't have witnesses. So what happened? What did Pilchas do? Pilchas said, this is a case that doesn't get to adjudication. I've got to take care of the problem immediately. However, Rashi says, there's got to be certainty. You can't just kill somebody because they did. you think they did something wrong. No, you have to be able to see what they're doing and the people who are around you, they also have to see it. And that's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. They all saw what they were doing, Cosby and Zimri. Zimri and Cosby. Shelo lechinam haragum that the Pinchas did not kill them without having good reason and cause. And not only that, Pinchas knew that if he waited, if he waited for the due process that we'd bring lawyers and they'd bring people arguing and, and, and who knows, they might have come to the conclusion that they did something wondrous, it was a wonderful thing, peace at our time, two nations getting together, I mean, who says? Who says that the legal procedure would be able to support waiting? So this idea that there are moments and, and moments in time when you can't wait for due process, you can't wait for the judges to make their judgment. Because the world is coming apart. That's what's actually happening. 
the world is coming apart. This possibility or the action that is taken at that particular time is to circumvent due process is called kanaut, zealotry. Zealotry, Hebrew kanaut, so that the first kanai in the world was Pinchas. He consulted with the master of halakha, Moshe Rabbeinu. And he said, what can we do? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, you better do it. Because if I did it, parentheses, they might say, I had an axe to grind. I wanted to protect my leadership. You do it. You do it. And Pinchas understood what the exact issue was and how he would have to deal with it. So there's a topic in Halakha called Kanaut. What is it? What is zealotry? When can you be a zealous about something and you can circumvent due process? When is it not so important to have designated witnesses? But it's enough that everybody knows it. Enough that everybody knows it. So to just gain a little bit of uh, the summary of what a kanai is, we'll look at the Rambam, how the Rambam teaches us about kanaut. He says, anybody who has sexual relations with a non-Jewish woman, it doesn't matter if the Jew thinks that he's going to marry this woman. Of course, you know, you can't really marry her, but he intends to live with her. means occasional and accidental meeting that they had. If he sleeps with her in public, he says, what does public mean? It means at least 10 people are watching. Or more than 10. So if Kanaim, zealots, take up the cause and kill him, we could only speak of them in the highest tones. So it doesn't take much to understand that these Kanaim that the Rambam is talking about is Pinchas. That was exactly Pinchas. Except that we're talking about an individual couple. We're not talking about the spread of this disease over the entirety of the nation. But what we're talking about is the fact that that somebody, some single person, decided to do this terrible thing, and in the manner of Pinchas, whoever's around at that time, has to take up the challenge to uh, to kill the people involved. B'davar Zeh, the Rabbam continues to say, Halacha Levoshes, Misinahu. It was taught to us by Moshe Rabbeinu, and if you want to know you want to know what the proof is that this is really the way it should be done it just learn learn the parasha of Pinchas and Zimri
הלוכה חי. ואין הקנאי רשאי לפגוע בהם, אלא בשעת מעשה. This is now this canoe, this, this person is going to kill the people who are living together. He says, this uh, zealot, ain't ha canoe, the zealot, permitted to harm them only at the time that they're actually doing it, that they're actually having this sexual act. Kizimri Shenema, it says about her, Shenemar, Kizimri Shenemar, but him, I'm sorry. Veeta Isha El Kubata, that the woman goes into her like internal parts. Avalim Pirish, Ein Horgim Otovim Haragon Neheragalav. But if they separated themselves, the two of them, the man and the woman, they're no longer involved, so then you don't have permission to kill them. You don't have permission to kill them. And if the zealot would go to the Beit Din, now since he can't do it on his own, and ask for permission to kill the person who did this, ain't Morin Lo. So according to the Rambam, the Halach of Kanoim Pogim Bo, as it is in the, in the story of Pinchas, is very limited, very narrow. It's a very narrow kind of halacha. You can kill them, but only if you if you do it while they are involved in the sexual activity themselves. Otherwise, even if you go to the Beit Din, you go to the court, Ein Morim Lo. They don't allow him to do it. And he says, he says if they go to ask him, the Beit Din, they sort of, even while he's doing it, the Beit Din can't give him permission to, to kill them. If the Kanai, the zealot, came to uh, kill the person who was having uh, the, the sex, and so you see, he, there's a case. If the, if the zealot came to kill the person who's having the sexual activity, that Boel fails, falls off somehow and uh, and kills the Kanoi in order to save himself, Ein Boel Neherag Alav. The Boel, you can't kill him for that because he was defending himself. Vabal bat ger toshav eina kanoim pogim bo is another halachat which we will hold back on. So now, if you go back, so so that's the halacha. It developed as a halacha, even though there aren't many cases. There aren't many cases where this could actually happen. In the time of Pinchas, it did actually happen, and Pinchas killed, killed the the two people who were involved. Everybody saw them, and so they knew what it was about. It was during the time when they were having sex and not before or after. And the Rambam says, if the Kanoi, the zealot, would show up after they had the sex and the and the, uh, uh, the male would roll over and try to kill the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Kanoi, the, uh, would try to kill the person who was thinking of killing him, the zealot, 
he would be he would not be punished for killing uh, the zealot because the zealot was about to kill him so he was defending himself so you see there's a very kind of narrow window for the zealot and in that narrow window we found Pinchas we understand and then the story of Pinchas goes on it goes on Pasuk Yud Pasuk Yud Aleph Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen Eshivit Chamati Me'albanei Yisrael He did a great thing Eshivit Chamati Chamati is anger Me'albanei Yisrael In other words the anger of HaKadosh Baruch Could have wiped out the people of Israel And just as Moshe Rabbeinu saved Bnei Yisrael after the Chait HaEgel Pinchas saved Bnei Yisrael After this uh, this event Of Cosby and Zimri. Mikanoet Kinati Bitocham, he was a Kane, he was a Mikane, he was a uh, a zealot. He zealotly applied himself to this. He knew this halacha. Velochiliti at Bnei Yisrael Bikinati, and I did not do away with Bnei Yisrael so that the the achievement of of Pinchas is clearly stated in the Torah, clearly stated in the Torah. Let's just look at the... Uh... Okay, you'll look at the Rashi yourself. Well, there's one more pasuk that's of note. L'chein emo inenin lo et briti shalom. And therefore I give to him my covenant of peace. What's Briti Shalom? What could that possibly be? Uh, Briti Shalom, Rashi says, Rashi in Pesuk Yudbet, Shetehelo Lebrit Shalom, it'll be for him a covenant of peace. Kadam HaMachzik Tova, Vechanut Lemisha Oseh Imo Tova. If a person, if you do something good for somebody, so he will remember it. The Bisho say Motova. Avkan Pirich La Khadishbohu Pakodishbohu Shlomotav. So God said to him to uh, to Pinchas, you get something. You get you get peace. I mean what do you mean you get peace? I mean it would be nice if the Pinchas got uh, money or he was protected against the coronavirus. I mean, what is peace? What exactly did he did he get? What did he get? The last pasuk in this group of pasukim. For him and for his descendants, Brit Kunat Olam, Brit Covenant Kuna uh, Priesthood Olam forever. Since he did this act that he did for the, on the, for God, God did for him. So there are three. There are three. Uh, God gets something, right? Pinchas gets something. He gets the Brit Kohanot Olam, and Bnei Yisrael, according to the pasuk, Bnei Yisrael ve'chaper al Bnei Yisrael. Somehow, this act was enough to atone for the sins of Bnei Yisrael with the Midianite 
with the Midianite women. Um, so Rashi Rashi says Brit Kahunat Olam. Brit Kahunat Olam. You see in Pasuk Yud Gimel that Rashi. So Rashi says Afop Shikvardi Tnakuhuna Lizaro Shell Aharon, even though we know that Kuhuna was given to the inheritor of Aaron, Lonitna Elalaron Levanav. Chenim Shechu Imo, the Black Brit was given to Aaron and to his sons who were anointed at the same time. Ulitoldo Tehem, Sheyelida Achar Hamshachatam, and those who will be born after this anointing. Avot Pinchachinolad Kodem Lachain, Pinchus was born beforehand, before this anointing, below Nimshach, and he was not anointed. He became a Kohen just now. In the, in so Pinchas, even though he was from the family of the Kohanim, he was not yet anointed a Kohen when he did this. But when he did this, he became a Kohen. So Pinchas became a Kohen, got the Brit Shalom, was a Kanoi, full of surprises, full of surprises he was. So, you wonder, you know, things in the Torah should have meaning for us. It means for us, uh, even though, you know, we read sometimes stories and they're very strange to us, we don't always understand, but in principle, the interpretation that we that we strive for is an interpretation that makes sense to us, that applies itself to the reality of our situation. So how could they? I mean, I can tell us it's impossible, almost impossible to imagine that the situation of uh, Pinchas, Zimri, and Cosby would reproduce itself exactly in the world in which we live. I don't mean to say that it's not possible, but it's difficult. And besides which, there are laws that we have to confront and we don't, we're not in charge of, of everything. And so, so what happened to this idea of kana'ut? So it reminded me, it reminded me, and perhaps we'll look together to a short section in the Misilat Yisharim. Sirat Yisharim, the 19th chapter, towards the end of the chapter. Now, I don't understand what the, the Misilat Yisharim is a book that's based on the idea that if you know all the mitzvot, then you know all the obligations that you have, and you know all the limitations that you have there. Mitzvot that say, Mitzvot Lot say, if you know all of that very well, and if you know what the Gemara said about all of those things, you will be able to expand, to add on, to make a, a religious life more meaningful in some way or other. That's the Misilat Yisrael. He said, you could be a better person, not just by doing the same thing, by doing even more than the same thing. If you recognize that in the, in the Gemara, for example, there are hints and what you could do that would make it even a better, a better functioning mitzvah. So in that book, he says the following: Anavash lishiu akina, 
talking about chassidut, he has, he has a certain kind of uh, vocabulary that he uses. He says there is such a thing as kinah. What's kinah? According to the and that's what Pinchas did. He was a mekane, sheyeha adam mekane l'shem kacho. That a person could be zealous about the name, the sacred name of God. So ne et misanav hates those who hate him. Umishtadel hachliyam b'mashiyuchal, and he tries to overwhelm them in any way that he possibly can. Kidei shetiyev odato yitbarach naseit ukvodo mitbarel. Now to make sure that the service of God is upheld, ukvodo and his honor increases. Who mashikatav David? I hate those who hate you, who and those who stand up against you, I will fight them. I hate them as fully as I could possibly hate them. And there's a I was I was full of kinah for Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Who kvara inu lemazacha ba'avokin atol We saw what Eliyahu reaped as a result of his kinah. Kimamar hakatuv tachad asher kinei leilohav vayechaper bnei Yisrael. He was zealous about God, and he atoned for bnei Yisrael. And Chazal have already said, that if you see somebody who's doing something wrong and you have the opportunity to give him Musar, to tell him, but you don't, you don't, uh, you don't tell uh, Musar, so what might happen is that he will be, he will be susceptible to doing that very same avira, that same transgression that he didn't want to call his friend out on. He's going to end up doing it himself. So, according to the Misilat Yisharim, according to Misilat Yisharim, I agree. He has a good idea. Is an idea that kinah still exists for each one of us. Uh, there are certain things, there are certain principles for which you have to fight really hard for. You can't sort of like assume that you'll be forgiven for not fighting. Right? Everybody has a little bit of pinchas in them. Everybody knows that there's, there's a, a limit. Some things I have to stop. I can't allow them to continue. Some things are like that. And so, so Pinchas left us a legacy. And that legacy is Kana'ut. The fact that sometimes you have to act without due process. Sometimes you have to make sure that the basic principles by which you live are not being altered. 
sometimes you have to be able to grab on to the truth and act accordingly. That was Pinchas. That was the lesson. That's what the Mesiris Yishorim is pointing to. Have a wonderful Shabbos. I'll see you next week. Ooh, ooh. Mm-mm-mm.